0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts chapter 8, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Saul, Paul was wreaking havoc with the church, and he was snatching men and women and children out of their homes, putting them in prison. Persecution had come to the church. God uses persecution to move the church from Jerusalem into Samaria. And it was at this time that the gospel is crossing some interesting boundaries. Now, not necessarily geographical boundaries, although to include that. But the gospel at this point is crossing some social boundaries. The gospel at this point is crossing some racial boundaries. Because remember, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. And they were discriminatory. And discriminating against the, the Samaritans. And so the gospel now is crossing these social and racial boundaries. So God led Philip, if you were with us, you know this, God led Philip to Samaria, and Philip preaches this awesome, awesome sermon, and it's a revival that breaks out in this area. People are getting saved, people are getting healed, demons are being cast out. It is awesome and amazing and a mighty move of God in the area of Samaria. Right at the same time that there's this kind of awesome, amazing, powerful, mighty move of God going on in Samaria as God is using Philip. Watch this. God is using Philip to bring about this revival. Philip is like at the height of his ministry. I mean, nothing better than to see many thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people come into Christ. It's right in the middle of that, that God says, Phil, get up and go to the desert. I've got some work for you to do. Philip, you're going to have an opportunity to evangelize an Ethiopian man who doesn't know the Lord but has a hungry heart. So here now in Acts chapter 8, we're going to take this chapter a little bit differently this morning. You know, the question often arises to me as a pastor, Pastor Rodney, they say, how do I witness to my friends? Pastor Rodney, how do I share my faith? A lot of people don't know how to share their faith. They don't know how to witness. They don't know how to evangelize. And people ask me all the time, you know, I thought Acts chapter 8, this text we're going to look at this morning, is a wonderful opportunity to learn how to share your faith, how to witness, and how to evangelize. And we'll learn that from Philip, who the Bible calls in Acts 21.8, The evangelist, Philip, the evangelist. So what I want to do this morning is we're going to take Acts chapter eight and we're going to look at it and we're going to talk about I'm going to give you got a pen, got a pad. I'm going to give you seven steps to witnessing and sharing your faith. Seven steps, and I hope that this is very practical for you. I hope it helps you to be able to go and share your faith because there is a world out there, saints, that needs Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. And Jesus really is the only hope for the world today, and I believe that. And so I'm hoping that after today, you'll be better equipped to go out and share Jesus with a world that so desperately needs him. What we're going to do is read the text, and then we'll come back, and we'll have some comments, and we'll deal with seven steps to witnessing and sharing your faith. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying... Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. And so he arose and went. Underline that. He arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. And so Philip ran, underline that. He ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guide me? And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as the lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And so the eunuch in verse 34 answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth And beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, notice this man's profession of faith. Notice his confession. I believe. You see that? will not you read it with me? I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I love that. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he baptized him. And when he had come up out of the water. See, that's why we believe in baptism by immersion here, by the way, people. Notice the Bible says when the eunuch went down into the water and when they came up out of the water. You see, that's baptism by immersion. Under the water and out of the water. You know, I'm sure that, 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 that Philip could have taken, you know, uh, the little wineskins that they carry around. And he probably could have took some water out of it. And maybe if he had water in it, walking through the desert, you know, had some Dasani or whatever. And then took some water and just sprinkled the guy and said, oh, you're baptized. But the Bible doesn't teach baptism by sprinkling. Amen. The Bible teaches baptism by submersion in the water and they came up, notice that in your Bibles, out of the water. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And so he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found in Azotus or Ashdod. That's one of the five major Philistine cities. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to the seaport city of Caesarea. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. We're talking about how to evangelize and how to share your faith. Listen, I think point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one, how to evangelize, how to share your faith. Point number one, if you're going to evangelize, you're going to share your faith, you need to, number one, be concerned for the lost. I think it's a simple point, but a true point. We need to be concerned. You need to have a concern for the lost. If you're going to evangelize, you need to care that there is a world out there that's dying. You need to care that people are lost and truly are. If you believe what the Bible says, they are truly going to a place called hell. And I think that the lack of urgency in the church and among believers is do we really believe that when you take your last breath here on earth, you take your next breath in God's presence and then if you don't know him, you hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, and the person goes to hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do we really believe that? Because if we really believe that, then wouldn't that cause a great concern in your heart? For the lost. Wouldn't that cause you to say. You know what. People need to know Jesus. And I need to be sharing my faith. A concern for the lost. You know there's a lot of. You know books out there. And a lot of classes. And a lot of courses. And a lot of you know how to's. As it relates to evangelism. And I won't name them now. But there are a lot of how to's. As it it relates to evangelism. But I think the number one thing is you can take all those courses and you can do all the how to's, but if you don't have a true, deep, abiding concern for the loss, all of that would be fruitful. Amen. And fruitless. Amen, saints. <laughs> it may be fruitful, but it'd be fruitless if you don't have a concern for the loss. And listen, if you have a concern for the loss, then you won't need a course or a how-to on how to evangelize. You will just do it because you've got a concern for the loss. Amen. Yeah. I know when I first became a Christian. Now I've told you the story, man. I, you know, I, 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 I got born again, and and my life changed. I, I will never forget the Friday night, Billy. Uh, Buchanan was awesome 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 I gotta have him back he was amazing and he shared in his testimony about how um, when he he gave his life to Christ and how he could see the blue sky I never heard this from anybody else in all of my years of being a Christian but I used to always tell you guys that you know if you've been around here careful chapel you know I've said this a hundred times well, he was talking about how he, too, could see the blue sky and he could see the, 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 the green grass and things were clearer to him. And I'm listening to that and I'm like, I know what you mean. That exact thing happened to me when I became a Christian. All of a sudden, God removed the haze from my eyes and I could see. I mean, I could see clearly now. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I really could see clearly now. I could really see, and I remember going to church. I got saved on a Saturday. I remember going to church on Sunday morning, and I've told you this before, and I looked at the dirt, the brown dirt, and I started weeping. I'm going to church walking across the parking lot trying to find a bus because I didn't have a car and handle money. And, and 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 I'm looking at the dirt and I started weeping. I said, Lord, thank you for the dirt. Praise God, the dirt is brown. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I see the dirt. I see the green grass. I see the blue sky. My, my eyes were changed. I could see differently. And I, I was one of those kind of Christians, as I told you, that, that, that nobody had to tell me to go evangelize. Probably the next day, like a Monday, I was one of those kind of Jesus freaks standing on the corner preaching the gospel. I would be sad. I got all dressed up in my suit. I go out in my Bible and I'm preaching. I was kind of one of those people that would run you down. Like if you were like walking across the street. I'm like, hey, hey, you need to get saved. You need to get saved, you know. And I'm wondering why nobody's walking on my side of the street.
0: I'm like, hey, man,
1: come here. You better give your life to Christ, man. You're going to hell. You are going to hell. And people are like, call the police. But nobody had to tell me, okay, this is how you evangelize. Granted, that was a zeal, not according to knowledge. But nobody had to tell me, you need to tell people, because when I gave my life to Christ, I immediately saw that I was headed to hell, that I was walking in darkness. God has changed my life. Now I'm going to heaven. Now I'm walking in the light. And I felt in my heart, my spirit that everyone in the world needs to know. And that was my vain, futile, crazy, nutty effort to tell everybody about somebody who could change anybody. Can I get an amen? Isn't that true? You don't have to teach people to evangelize when God has truly changed your life. You just naturally do. You know, someone once said, a church will either evangelize or fossilize. Uh, I think that's true for a believer. You'll either evangelize or you'll fossilize. So talking about how to evangelize. Talking about how to share your faith. Number one, you need to be concerned. And you can actually see that in the life of Philip as he preached in Samaria in chapter 8, verses 1 through 25. You can see that he had a concern for the lost. Point number two, if you're taking notes, not only be concerned, but you also need to be listening. Be listening. Look at verse 26 in your Bibles again. Notice in verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He spoke. Now, remember, Philip was in the midst of an awesome move of God. He was in the midst of a revival. There was a harvest of souls being saved. There was a harvest of souls being healed, a harvest of souls being set free. And in the midst of this harvest of souls, God sends an angel to tell Philip to get up and go south and go to the desert to get up and go to the middle of nowhere. Now, keep in mind, give me your attention, keep in mind, Philip, we know the end of the story because we have the Bible. Keep in mind that Philip doesn't know the story because he hasn't read chapter 8. <laughs> Same amen, saints, if you get that. Okay. So he doesn't know the end of the story. He doesn't know that he's going to run into a very influential black man from Ethiopia who's going to get saved. Philip isn't told to get up and go and then given the plan as to why he's going. He isn't told anything. He's just told get up and go to the desert. Desert. Just do it. He isn't given a reason. Man, if an angel showed up to me and told me to... Right in the midst of revival, to get up and go take a road in the middle of nowhere, I think I was going to go out back and get beat up by some uh, crip blood angels or something. You know, I don't know. Philip just does it in obedience and in faith. He get up, he gets up, and he goes. Now here's something very important that we really need to take note of. Something very important. People wrestle with knowing God's will. People wrestle with What's God's will for my life? And people want to know God's will. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You got to get this. Knowing God's will and getting God's direction starts with the first step. It starts with the first step. You know, oftentimes we want God to map out the plan for us, don't we? We want God to kind of map it out, you know. God's leading and God's direction starts with one single step. You know, it's almost like progressive revelation. If you take the first step, God will then show you to take the next step. Oftentimes, we want God to show us step one, two, three, and four. So when we get to understand step four, we can determine whether we want to take step one. Okay, now say amen. You understand. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you to take one step. And saints, listen, this is a word for you. When you take that one step, then God will then show you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. The Bible calls that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what we call step by step by step. But if you're not willing to take the first step, you're never going to discover God's direction. You're never going to discover God's will. You know, when God called up I and I here to start the church, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know anything about anything. We just knew that God told us to come to Raleigh, North Carolina and be there. That's all we knew. Then we were here after four weeks The apartment manager of our complex that we lived in asked us to start a Bible study. Elvira came and said, "Ronnie, the apartment manager asked us to start a Bible study. Asked you to start a Bible study. Elvira was like, yeah, that must be the Lord. It must be the Lord. He wants you to start a church. I said, yeah, we must be. So we have our first Bible study of which I walk in the door and there's 17 people sitting there that I don't know that I have never met. So I walk in the door and you know how I dress. I mean, it was summer. I had on a ball cap, sunglasses, <clears throat> t-shirt, and shorts, sneaks, and I walk in, all well, 17 people, most of them from here, and I walk in, they say, hey, how you doing? Say, we waiting for the preachers to show up. I said, well, I'm him, hey, y'all. And they were like. I said, sit down, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And that's where this church started. Isn't it interesting? Ten years later, we are now back at the book of Acts. Isn't that awesome? Study in the Word. I didn't know what was going to happen. I did not know a year and and, and two months later we were going to have 110 people. I didn't know three and a half years after that we were going to have 350 people. I didn't know that now we're going to be here and all of these people are going to be here to hear the word of God. I didn't know that we were going to be on the radio and doing world missions and all of these things. But saints, all I'm trying to tell you is that if you don't take the first step, you'll never get to the second. You will never get to where God wants you to be if you're waiting for God to map out your plan. And this is the very thing that makes Christianity so exciting. Do you know Christianity is exciting? It is a blessing to be a Christian. And it is an exciting thing because you're always hanging on to God. You're always saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, Sunday mornings, me and Elvira get up and pray. In the weekend, we're praying, Lord, bless the service. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Bless the service. Bless the worship. Bless the kids. Bless the people as they come. Lord, may they worship. May they come with ears to hear and hearts to receive the word. And every single week, we come in here. And every single week, bar none, God meets us in this place. God meets us here, doesn't he? God meets us here every single week. And Elvira and I go home after church. And we go, man, you see how God blessed. God moved. That's exciting to be a Christian. It is exciting to walk by faith. And so if you want to know God's will and you want to know God's plan and purpose, well, you got to take that first step. So the angel says to Philip, Philip, get up and take the first step. And notice in your Bibles and notice Philip in verse 27 and verse 28. Notice he got up and went. You see that? You see, which brings us to our third point, be available, be available. Listen, if you're going to witness and you're going to share your faith, not only do you have to be a good listener, be a good listener, but also be available, be available. Notice the angel spoke. Did I give you point number two? Did I be, be, be listening? Did I give you point number two? Is that up there? Okay, good. Point number two, the angel spoke. Did you get that? Say amen if you got that. Okay, good. So be concerned, point number one. Point number two, what? Be listening. Point number three, what? Be available. You see? Be available. You gotta be available. Not only a good listener, but also you need to be available. Notice the Bible says that the angel told Philip to get up and go. And probably five of the most important words in this story, he arose and he went. You see that? Philip didn't argue. Philip didn't say, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I was pretty powerful back there in Samaria. You know, there, there, there was a revival going on and my name was in the paper and great things were happening and people were being healed. You know, I don't know. Philip got up and he went. He was available. It's very important to be available and take advantage of the opportunities given to you. God is always giving you opportunities to share your faith. Always. You know, I think we miss many of them. But God has always given us opportunities. You know, if you wear Christian T-shirts and, you know, somebody walks up to you and go, hey, you know, well, what, what's that thing on your shirt? That, that's an opportunity. You know, on my wedding band, actually, we got, we got wedding bands and, uh, while I was in Israel one, on one of my trips. And, and on my wedding band, we've got the, you know, the menorah, those shirts that we've given out. We've got the menorah and the, and the, and the Star of David and the Christian Fish, you know, that, that graphic that we gave on those T-shirts. And I've had more people ask me, hey, what's that on your wedding band? And I have an opportunity to say, well, you know, the Jewish faith and the Star of David and the Christian Fish and I'm a Christian and Jesus died. And, and you know, and I have an opportunity. Hey, you're standing in the supermarket at Food Lion, you got the magazines that are crowding the lines, by the way. There's more and more magazines. And you got the Star Magazine, the headlines on the Star Magazine, you know, aliens invading the White House. (laughs) You hear the guy behind you say, Well, man, what in the world is the world coming to? Well, that's an opportunity for you to turn around and say, Well, I'm glad you asked. And you just start sharing your faith. I mean, God's giving you opportunities. People say to you, you know, oh, I feel so depressed. I'm just hopeless. I feel so depressed. You know, don't just go, oh, well, you know, I'm sad for you. And, you know, have a nice day. (laughs) Don't do that. No, and don't give him a Christian counselor's card and say, you know what? But, you know, if you, you need somebody to talk to here, call him. That's an opportunity for you to share the hope that is in Jesus it's an opportunity God is always giving us opportunities you're going to be around family and friends this coming holiday and they're going to say to you hey how you doing how's things going yeah okay what do you do with your life well you know I work and I do this and I go to church on Wednesday night and you know and I go to church on Sunday morning and you know I serve the Lord you know children's ministry and you know you get an opportunity they'll look at you and think you're some kind of Jesus freak and why do you go to church so much is there a cult (laughs) over there you know people think Calvary Chapel's a cult did you know that? I've had people come visit the church and they say, you know, I had to come. Pastor, I got to tell you, I thought it was a cult going on in here.
0: <laughs> Why?
1: Because my husband, he likes coming there now.
0: <laughs> I said,
1: surely something has to be wrong. He's never liked going to church before. And he stayed awake the whole time. I thought you were handing out Kool Aid or something, <laughs> quarters, something. You know, you have an opportunity to share your faith with your family, with your friends. God arranged this meeting for Philip, and God arranges our meetings, but we have to be available. So Philip arose, the Bible says, and went. And while he was going, there was a man, an Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace, the Bible says, the queen of the Ethiopians.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923.